Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, where I am just joined by the greatest person I know, Michael Patrick Rooney. Michael Patrick Rooney, how are we doing today? Steven, if I'm going to come clean here, one of the things, I, I do think I'm a fairly good person, but one of the things that brings out not the best part of me is fantasy football. And <laughs> even though it's going well this year, Patrick Mahomes having negative three points this weekend, that, that you... you Anybody around me, which would be great, the great Jenny Rooney, didn't get to see the best version of me when Patrick Mahomes let the carrots down like that. Well, I, I, don't, I believe it was John Lester who had the quote that said, look, anyone can win when they have their A game. It's how you respond to the B and C game that really, that really shows who you are as a competitor. And from the sounds of it, you're still competing. Like, you, did you get completely blown out or how no. did it go? If Patrick Mahomes didn't, you know, need a diaper that game, we win the game. Like it was, <laughs> he had just had to outperform the Ravens kicker. So yeah, so 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 you're starting to see the edgy side of Coach Rooney right now. Um, the carrots, <laughs> carrots have a little bit of a complex. We have not won the prestigious South Bend Fantasy Football League in 24 seasons. Uh, we have a very good team this year. We're six and two, um, so we're we're there. But we're we're gonna have to work on the mental game. Brian Kane, where are you when I need you? Look, from what it sounds like, you got to book a little retreat for all the players, take them into the woods for a little bit, do some team building. I mean, these guys are all coming from different backgrounds. So that's the backbone of fantasy football, I believe. Yeah. So you got to you got to let them find that common ground so they can mesh as a team to score the most points together, I believe. Yeah, um, that would be the smart thing to do. What I wanted to do was tell Patrick Mahomes, hey, we're practicing Sunday night after the game when you get home because you obviously are not ready to make football plays. See, most people, when they say that, it's like uh, the quarterback would gain nothing from that talk. But in this instance, Coach Rooney offering his guidance and his tutelage to Patrick Mahomes, that's that's something that's valuable. There is something yeah. that could actually make some changes, make some waves. Uh, I will turn this to college baseball, Stephen. The great, <laughs> the, the great Augie Garrido used to say about coaching, he used to say, it, you, you can't take it personally. It's not personal. It, the, it's just the game. And that might be re- why the carrots struggle so much in fantasy football, because it is the opposite of what Augie Garrido said. It is so personal. It's my college roommates. Um, it's all I think about it. Yeah, it, it's so the, the, the late Augie Garrido, I, I need him now more than ever. Well, I do believe he also is quoted in saying, what do you think we're effing with here? This isn't about some damn game. This is about my life. See, so there's two ends to the coin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it's that was a moment he wasn't necessarily practicing what that's he it. preached, but wow, what a speech! Hey. I I remember watching that, getting fired up before conditioning uh, some days. So yeah. I I appreciate you turning it back to college baseball. Of course, I'm going to do what I can to fight you on that and take us away from college baseball a little bit because over the weekend and over the course of the week, we've had a lot of fun stuff going on. We've had Halloween practices, which mm-hmm. that it's 
There's my alley, and there's something a little bit more than my alley. That's what Halloween practice is. It's right up it. It's one of my favorite things. So I think I want to start off my favorite costume that I saw was, I don't know what player it was that dressed up as Sully from Monsters, Inc. for Arizona State University. Of course, the great shot, the the greatest, greatest school to ever do Halloween on you know, whatever day Halloween was yesterday, I believe. So their Halloween practice, it's electric in the clip I shared. You see there's three different Spider-Men, which I love. I don't know if the players got together on that. But then you got James P. Sullivan. He rolls over he rolls over a pretty easy pitch. But the effort and the little legs turning was one of my favorite things I've seen. Oh, so great. Yeah. I so Steven, I never got to I never got to coach or play in the era of like it it blows me away. Co- like you only get 45 practices in the fall in Division 1 baseball now, and we're literally taking one of them to scrimmage. Like like first of all, the player that was Sully, you, you need to identify yourself because the fact that you could make contact with a thrown baseball in that outfit is really a miracle. So Steven, what were your what what were like when you were with the dogs or you know, App State or Virginia, what were your costumes? Did you guys have Halloween practice? So we didn't have Halloween practice at App State or UMBC or UVA, for that matter. It's very obscure. I don't know, like, a guy like me, you think that guy's born for Halloween practice. Um, I do believe every day, though, at App State, I dressed up as the caddy from Forrest Gump, just... If that caddy, or not Forrest Gump, Happy Gilmore. Oh my goodness, what That's a so what a good. blunder on my end. But I feel like I dressed up like him every day just because that was my look. Um, so I had that going for me. When I was at UVA, we did not have a Halloween practice as a team. But me and Michael Vassell had a Halloween practice while everyone else was just in regular costumes. It was a blast. I remember we were doing PFPs, and it was a little bit colder, so I had my overshirt on. But beneath it all, I had a Kenny Powers jersey on. And, you know, when you're doing PFPs, the way we did them at UVA was it was anyone can go out there at any time. So as an upperclassman, you want the younger guys to get the work in and PFPs are kind of boring. So I hadn't gone out for a while and I waited till Coach Oak noticed and called me out to go out there. And I was like, all right. So I took my warm up off, had the Kenny Powers jersey on. Had nice. no idea how he was gonna take it. He ended up laughing so hard and coming out to the mound and taking a picture with me, which was very funny. And oh, then that's awesome. right after that happens, Mike Vassell is in gold booty shorts and a gold crop top. I believe he borrowed from his girlfriend at the time. And he runs across the field yelling streaker and <laughs> practice just erupted like the rest of the day was shot it was a lot of fun though so that that's probably my favorite halloween practice memory because it's about my only one what, but, what what's the character vassal was it that's the michael myers movie um oh gosh uh, oh, uh austin powers austin powers. yes yeah gold member what was his name gold member gold member that's <laughs> what a great movie i think i think the reason i ended up the way i am is because the first movie I ever saw was Austin Powers, and like oh, that became my so life. So great callback. On that's that. great, Stephen. I never got to do the baseball Halloween, but I loved Halloween as a youngster or as a young person. And um, my, I'm one of my college roommates didn't play baseball. Mike Pearl, 
who know you know the great Mike Pearl. He um he had a great costume one time. You can Google it post pod. He was the Denerex man. There was these old shampoo commercials where they'd have blue shampoo on one side of your head and white shampoo on the other side of your head. And so he literally did that. And we did go out to the bars that night. He went out to the bars in a bathrobe and blue shaving cream on one side of his head and white shaving cream on the other side. It was it was amazing. That that the is Denerex phenomenal. man. You, Good on you, you really Curly. can't beat that. I mean, oh, when it comes to just general Halloween costumes, I believe one of my favorites was me and my roommate Jack dressed up as Bill and Ted from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Ooh, strong, strong. Just because it, it worked out well. And anytime I had the opportunity to have a mustache in college, I was taking it. I was yes. taking it, no problem. So, Growing it out or a fake mustache, Steven? Grown out, grown oh, out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. It's, How uh, was your mustache game in college? Was it strong? Thin, thin uh, for sure. It's, thin's uh, almost better. It's so bad, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was thin and crooked though, so it got oh. real weird, real fast. But <laughs> real you know, weird you wins. Do it. We already said that. <laughs> weird does win. Now, Coach Rooney, as a as a go to trick or treater, what's your favorite Halloween candy? I struggle with this because I don't like chocolate, and that my wife that that she thinks that I've I've have a malfunction because I don't like chocolate. <laughs> But my favorite candy is Swedish Fish. I love mm. Swedish Fish. Um, I could go for Sprees. I don't even know if they make Sprees Ooh. anymore. Twizzlers is another go-to. I would take root beer barrels. Um, but if, if I only could have one thing, Swedish Fish is my go-to. All of those phenomenal answers. I think Sprees are just so good because – they're, they're rough on the outside, soft on the inside, which people, yeah. they don't want to give them a chance because you walk past them in the vending machines that, first of all, how do those even exist where you just turn a quarter and candy comes from the little fish feeder looking thing? It's amazing. Do they still but, make Spree, by the way? Are they still in existence? Yeah, they still exist. I oh, believe. How about I, it? Yeah, I, I highly recommend going out and getting one. Um, What's your spirit candy, Stephen? What's your go-to Halloween candy? This is where I struggle. I really like chocolate bars, but whenever I eat a chocolate bar, it hurts my teeth a lot. So I try not to eat chocolate bars too much. Um, apparently, I just have sensitive teeth and weak enamel, they say. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not a coward. I'll still eat them. I'll still do it. But Play through I, the pain, yes. Yeah, it's beauty is pain, right? So I, I really like Kit Kat bars and mm -hmm. Baby Ruth's. Okay. So those are those are my go-to. What now for this next question? A little different, but what what do you think would be the hardest costume to play baseball in? Because you know Sully making contact—that's impressive. He's got a screen in front of his face. All I could think was that looked impossible to do. How's yeah. it get harder? Yeah, I think Sully. Like that—that that was my first thought when he made contact with the baseball. I was like. That's that's the best in costume baseball performance of all time. I do you do you have one that's harder than Sully, Stephen? Like that looked impossible. I don't know how he could see or move his arms. No, I I really don't understand it. I saw one guy dressed up as Doodle Bob from SpongeBob, which I believe it was someone from Florida Gulf Coast University. They just had a big old box on him. I think that limits the arms a lot, which could make it difficult. And then the next one that I think would be difficult, obviously. Clifford the Big Red Dog. I don't know what a Clifford mm. the Big Red Dog costume looks like, but it seems like red's a tough color to see through. You know, it's not going to be seen through easy. So I feel like getting dressed up as a dog would be tough. 
yeah, you got to stand on your hind legs to hit because yeah, that's yeah, you're it's that's fair. Yeah, you got big old hoofs for hands or yeah. paws, I guess is the correct term. But it's Clifford, so you yeah. might have horse. He's made up. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Like like I think in college baseball we have 45 days in the fall. If you're a program that does Halloween practice, you basically have 44 days. You have 44 days in a team bonding day because the Halloween practice is, is really just about team building. And I'm here for that. That's that. I love. Yeah, that's that looks yeah. fun. I I love it because like even if you have team conditioning that day, it's like look, I'm dressed up as Woody. I'm in jeans. They don't expect me to be fast today, you know. Yeah. So it's just like the vibes are high. Vibes and- are good, as the great Clinton <laughs> Yates would say. Morale is high. <laughs> Speaking of great Halloween costumes, did you see his? No. What do you go as? He went as Jimmy Butler with the emo hair. You gotta, you gotta look it up when we're, when we're done because it was phenomenal. Uh, like, Clinton is the best so ever. Good. He is the goat. He's <laughs> the goat of. He's a goat of everything in life. He is the best. He really is. Now, now that Halloween is over, though, one yes. big shift in my household, of course, is Halloween ends. I put the Christmas decor up. It's. Ooh. It's the way I roll. I celebrate Christmas. My wife and I, we celebrate Christmas, so we decorate for Christmas. But this is my last holiday-based question for you for this episode. Yes. When do the Christmas decorations go up in the Rooney household? Or the holiday decorations, I know. Yeah. So Jenny and I are, like, minimalists when it comes to that type of stuff. We don't have kids, and so it's just now, you know, so that's just not our jam. However... I grew up in a house. My dad, Michael Patrick Rooney Jr., he is a Christmas maniac. My mom, Peggy Rooney, actually hates Christmas now. Like, she doesn't hate anything. She's not wired that way. But she <laughs> she, she doesn't love Christmas because <laughs> my dad is so, like, if there's a square inch in my parents' home, it's getting a Christmas decoration. One one year, Stephen, you'll appreciate this. My parents would have a big blowout Christmas party in our neighborhood every year, like a big bash. It was it was even as kids, it was fun. And one year, my dad came back from uh, one of the malls and he bought this thing called the Rudy Bear. It was this big Christmas bear he bought out of the mall that had like a Christmas <laughs> hat on and a Christmas shirt. And and my mom looked at him like you're not seriously putting in that in my house are you like you and and my dad put it in the corner right by the front door so as the party escalated and people were feeling you know feeling themselves a little bit now people are taking drunk photos with rudy bear it was it, rudy bear became a legend so so the short answer to your question steven is my dad um who is awesome he love he doesn't like christmas he loves it and so uh, our whole family, we, we that, that's one of my favorite things is watching how much he enjoys Christmas. That's phenomenal. That's one of my uh, very few life lessons I've learned is I won't purchase anything that's taller than me without consulting my wife first. Because otherwise, <laughs> my ho- like my background, there'd be an army of bears just ready to go. I mean, Love they'd that. all be stuffed and fake, but still. It's so great. Love that. You should embrace that. Yeah, I mean, you got it. You got to enjoy it. So moving along, today I had a very fun day. I know you had regular work. I had Steve's just random fun, go out and have a day sort of work that Love it. technically work, but that's kind of just my life, of going to scout day at UNCW. And 
I wanted to know just because I've seen it from a player's perspective. I've participated in five scout days, got drafted zero times. But as a coach, what was it like doing scout days? Were scout days even a thing like you guys managed back then? Or was it kind of, was the game different? No. So when I was at Arizona State, we, I think I got to do one scout day as a player a million years ago. And I actually loved it as a player. Um, It was super fun. As a coach, I dreaded it because you're just worried that players are going to blow a hamstring or, <laughs> you know, some pitcher is going to try too hard and blow out their arm. So, so I the, the one the one good memory I have about Scout Day is one of the years we had Pedroia, actually his draft year, t- 2004. I was throwing BP and throwing BP on Scout Day is like high pressure because you feel like oh, I don't want to make a guy look bad and Pedroia was the guy where you couldn't if you threw it in the stadium he laced it I mean he was <laughs> and and I gave up like 20 home runs to Pedroia and BP and he's not very big and so that that made that gave me great joy that I didn't ruin it for him now of course he did all of that I one year Stephen we did a cool twist on scout day we actually just had practice and we had a, just a big bash for the scouts afterwards. Like we just had a big spread. I don't think they had adult beverages, but they may have. But I mean, the food was like lights out. And I we should have done that every year. Like you, the only problem, Stephen, is that as college coaches back then, you were some of those scouts are my best friends now, like really close friends. But back then, you were like kind of frenemies, right? Like because yeah. like hey, we recruit Cody Ross. And then you draft Cody Ross, and I'm like, no, stop it. No, like We I, chose him first. Yeah, like he's coming to school, and you took him in the fourth rounder. Stop whispering sweet nothings into his ear. And, you know, sure enough, <laughs> he didn't come to college. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that that was uh, – I thought that was the best scout days. We just had a regular practice. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's Arizona State. You're going to get to see these kids do everything, you know, including park their car and, you know, et cetera, and – um but let's just have a nice meal yeah no i i think that's the way to go this one was run very smoothly um i believe the scouts were at brunswick community college which is right down the road from uncw before coming over to uncw so coach hood had it set up that they had a shrimp boil which he invited me and allowed me he allowed me to eat it and it was phenomenal um I, I, after I was done, I went up to the guys who were serving it and I was like, so what restaurant, like, do you, are you guys with? Like, this is incredible. And they go, oh, we just volunteer. Like we're the grounds crew sometimes oh, um, wow. here. So we just, you know, we so like great. making food. And it was, I was just like, okay, yeah, no, you guys, you guys killed it. So great job. Thank you for Amen. the food. But it, it was definitely a top two spread I've seen. In, in terms of scout days, I personally, at my scout days, I don't remember how the scouts were treated because typically they were busy and not paying attention to me, and that's fine. But, oh, man. <laughs> but no, it, it was just, it was well run. They ran their 60s. They did infield, outfield. They hit BP, and then they scrimmaged. It's basic to the Standard. point. You get to see everything you need to see. I One thing I did really like about them, though, was they had like a 55 inch TV right behind home plate that just all it showed was the track man and like all of the data for each pitch thrown, which I think is a phenomenal addition. 
especially as someone who like I threw weird pitches. So my numbers would kind of help me out. Um, but I didn't have that. And so it's really cool that they do have that now just so scouts, you know, maybe they forget their jugs gun. Who knows? Who knows what can happen? So I, I thought that was really cool, but it was just, it was just really fun to go and see it too, because everybody is in a phenomenal mood. Like nothing. It's kind of like Halloween practice where like, you know, some guys might be a little uptight and be like, I really need to do well. But most of them are just like, Hey, it's baseball. We know how to play it. Let's have some fun and then get back to the goal of winning ball games as a, as a bunch of friends. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Do you know, Steven, I don't know if this is true, but maybe someone listening can tell us. I believe that TrackMan now has an app on people's phones where if you're a scout and you're at certain games and you've got the right subscription, you can pull up the TrackMan data right on your phone. I mean, it would make sense that you could do that. How I, how bad, you know what, would that be? Like, that is so cool. That That's insane. And this is complete coincidence. And I hand hand to whatever you believe in. I just got a text with uh, my tweet about the Scout Day food from a scout who said, best Scout Day in baseball the year the year I was there and I had Greg Jones. I think I had four pounds of shrimp. Oh, so, nice. Greg Jones, so, first rounder. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he stole second base off me in the Cape and then ultimately stole third and then scored to walk off. But that kid's fast. Money. Yeah, it was right. inherited. I, I did not. I did not wob that day. Okay, yeah. look, I'm not perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know, if if you're walking around as a starting pitcher counting on wobs, then you need to. I think that you, you're trying to control the uncontrollables. Yeah, you gotta you gotta just handle what's within. So yeah, that's it right. was it was a really fun scout day. I think it it did a good job showcasing what they're like around the nation because I feel like it was very standard. You know, the food. Not standard. I don't want people to think I'm saying the food was standard because that was phenomenal. They do a great job, and it was just a lot of fun. But Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Friday, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is all time. My village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters Friday. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You know, being around the scouts, I had a lot of time to think. And I I figured this would be a fun topic of Mm -hmm. three obvious guys that you think are going to get drafted early this season. Yeah, so so you want me to do all three, Stephen? Yeah, sure. Run through them, and then I got three, four in. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go five names, and I want you to I want you to pick the one. Don't don't be afraid to repeat because because that's unfair. So I think what's interesting about this is that the t- the top two prospects by our ranking right now at D1 Baseball are Cags and and Nicky Nukes. So Jack Caglione and Nick Kurtz, and I just think it's fascinating, right? Because that means 1-1 is likely going to be a very large left-handed hitting first baseman. Like you don't I feel like you don't see first baseman going 1-1, but those guys are like 1 and 2. So I think that's going to be interesting like how would a scout pick between Cags and Nicky Nukes? The other one like right behind those guys 
is Travis Bazana at Oregon State, and then uh, J.J. Weatherholt are very similar players. Left-handed hitting, second baseman, can they play short? So those guys are kind of really similar, like very, very similar players. And then the fifth one I'll give you, Stephen, and I think if you and I repeat here, it's totally cool because that tells you how good these kids are. Vance Honeycutt is not in our top 10 right now. He could be the first pick in the draft. Like if he's healthy, this is a kid that had 25 home runs and 29 steals in the same season, but he just wasn't healthy. He wasn't right last year. So when you asked that question, Stephen, those were five names that jumped right out at me. Yeah, and I think you do a great job. When it comes to Nick Kurtz versus Jack Caglione, I, I think it really depends on what the team's looking for. Like if you're looking for a guy who can pitch and hit, obviously, Jack Caglione. Nick Kurtz, mm-hmm. he could down and throw hard we don't know maybe so we'll we'll see but i think they're kind of interchangeable in the in the sense that you know you can't go wrong no it can't and go then wrong. in terms of jj weatherholt and travis bazana that's like having a crush on twins if one right. doesn't like you there's another one you can pick up you know so right. you, it's great there's point. still a chance so i i really like both of them just because they're so athletic like they're these people, everybody we talk about, they're all freaks. Like these are, yes. these are not normal things to be doing, but I, I really like those choices. I, I think Vance Honeycutt, when he is all together is one of the best players in college baseball, bar none, at least the best center fielder. Just, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's obvious that sometimes when you're jumping over the fence every weekend, something's going to go a little a little wrong from time to time. So I, I don't want any scouts to be like, oh, well, he's nagging injuries. It's like, well, he's doing superhuman things that your body's probably not supposed to be doing. So it makes sense. I, in my list, I kind of went with someone first that I feel like, not that they've been slept on, but I feel like I haven't talked about him a lot, which is Tommy White. You know, Ooh. he just had such a phenomenal freshman season that it kind of feels like all of college baseball was just sitting around waiting for him to get drafted first overall or high. And, you know, the time is now. It's his year. I think last season he quietly hit, like, just an insane amount of home runs, and it felt like nothing because the year before he hit a million. So I, I feel like his raw power is just so valuable. And I know there's been a lot of talk about how well he handles the glove at third base, but if you're giving me three to four runs every game, I don't care how you handle the glove. You could be, you could put it on your shoe and kick the ball to first base for all I care. <laughs> like I, I want to see the home runs and you know, he's not doing that with his glove. He's actually fielding and throwing to first because he's a talented baseball player, but I, I just really like where he's at. I also really like Braden Montgomery just because mm-hmm. I feel like he is one of the most athletic people we have ever seen in college baseball. And I feel like a lot of it's still raw. And that's not to say like, he's not a refined player. I just feel like that's how high his potential is that he is already hitting 336, and it could go even higher. Yep. I can't remember if Braden Montgomery is a switch hitter or like a left-handed hitter only. I'll have to Google that. But you're right, Stephen. Like his upside is like he's been a he's been an all-American caliber player for two years, and it feels like he's just getting started. Like it feels like there's he's got way further down the road that he can go. 
Yeah, and like for him, it just life kind of seems easy for him in the sense that like right. everything he does, he's great at. And obviously, a lot of skill, a lot of talent goes into that, and a lot of work goes into that. But you know, I think he had a perfect score on his ACT, which you know, typically the guys we talk about are, you know, not having perfect scores, and that's totally fine. Perfect score is hard to do, but this kid literally before going to Stanford and having all this talent and transferring, he could have transferred anywhere in the nation and just been like, no, just with my brain, actually. Like he could have, he could have hung up the cleats and said, I actually, I, I don't like baseball anymore. I'm going to go to Harvard and become a lawyer. And they would have been like, yes, yeah, come here, please. Right. Right. Yeah. He's Uh, really talented. I gotta, I gotta figure this out. Is he a lefty or is he a switch hitter? We're going to, we're going to learn this before we leave the podcast, Stephen. Yeah, I'm on their website. It does not have it listed, I believe. But he does, you know, he does two-way action. And I feel like, you know, with getting with Texas A&M and Coach Max Wiener, I think we're going to see more of him as a pitcher than we've ever seen before, which is another thing that really excites me. Just because, again, what, what, kind, of, what kind of outfielder just goes, okay, I'm going to get on the mound, sit 95, and punch everybody out? Yeah, and it is like to your point, like with the draft, it's like, hey, even if something doesn't go perfectly as a hitter, like, hey, maybe it's he can pitch, right? Like he's got, uh, you know, what you said, right? Like whatever he chooses to do in life, it is highly likely that it's going to go very, very well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's God-given, ton of work. He is a switch hitter. He is. I found it. Okay. Found got it on it. Baseball Reference, but he. Like, again, just one of the most impressive guys in college baseball that I think is going to set himself up to make a good bit of money this this uh, summer. Yes, well said. Uh, should we do kind of like the sleeper dude, Stephen? Yeah, so I, I want to do two lesser known names that I think will get drafted early. Um, this is no disrespect to the guys. They're obviously super talented. They're just at schools that don't get talked about as much. So I, I kind of, if you... Want me to go first? I have yeah, two go for in it. mind. Go, go. Please. So the first one, of course, you know, I know Walker Yannick. He oh, great is call. Honestly, just a clone of Kyle Teal in my mind. Like just watching him defensively behind the plate, and then he can go out and play any position he wants and do a really good job of it. That's something that really impresses me, and I really hope scouts will see the value of because. You know, we've lived so long where the catchers have just been a big donkey. They got zero speed in MLB the show, but they can put the ball over the fence so they don't need it. But we're slowly shifting to a world where catchers are just freak athletes too. Mm -hmm. And I'm all here for it. It's really fun to watch catchers that can just run around and be playmakers too. And because, you know, to be a catcher, you probably have to have the highest baseball IQ on the team. You know, shortstop, it's important to know a lot and have a high baseball IQ. But the catcher is the one that is mostly calling the shots. They're the ones who I feel really command the field in my mind. So having that high baseball IQ and a freak athlete, that's a fun combination. Ooh, that's good. Good one. Oh, well, yeah, Yannick is so good. I remember seeing Sam Houston last year. Um, What was that tournament we were at, Stephen? Was that uh, uh, Round Rock or was that? um... Yeah. He was so good that weekend. And, you know, LSU was in there, Kansas State. That was a good tournament. And Sam Houston was awesome that weekend. 
Yeah, and like it's not like he was playing against slouches, and he he came up huge a ton of times for Sam Houston as they made their postseason run too, which was really cool to see. Yeah, good one. Uh, who's your second one? Who or did I miss you for? My Go second ahead. one is okay. He was a Cape Cod League All Star Game MVP, so I guess not lesser known, but I don't hear a ton of people talking about him all the time, and that's Derek Bender. Um, not only does he hit everything that is thrown his way, but he's also just a phenomenal dude. Like he's a great guy. He, uh, he wears purple cleats for suicide awareness and all of that, which I, which I really like because yeah, you know, good for him. you're a coastal, you could wear bright teal cleats that look cool. And the purple ones really stand out and they got big yellow laces. It's very obvious they're different. And I really like when I asked him about it, he was like, Oh yeah, this is why. And like, that's kind of my mission in this and you know it was just really cool to see that and then to watch him literally spray the ball all around the field anywhere he wanted just hitting it where it's pitched was really cool I I love the guys that you know they have the juice to hit home runs but they're also like they have the discipline to know hey that pitch is outside I can't yank it 500 feet I'm gonna just go with it and hit it the other way I think that maturity goes a long way come draft time yeah, that's I, I was worried, Stephen, that Coastal, you know, you just worry about the transfer portal. Like I was worried that Coastal would lose Caden Bodine and and Bender. They did lose the one pitcher, the young pitcher that 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 had a really good year. I think he ended up at Old Miss, but uh, Coastal will be a very fun team this year. So that's a that's a good one. I actually my two guys are from West Coast schools which, you know, like is kind of under the radar nowadays. You know, it just, they don't, yeah. they don't, yeah. So Nick McLean is the first one. He's the switch hitting center fielder from Arizona State. He is, um, I saw them scrimmage a little bit last week. I'm going to see them in a couple weeks scrimmage Grand Canyon. Nick McLean is the younger brother of Matt McLean, who's in the big leagues with the Reds. And Sean McLean played really good at Arizona State. Nick McLean started at UCLA. He's very short, like his brothers. Like he's like five foot eight or five foot nine. He's got big confidence, like he's swaggy, and he's a switch hitter, and um, he's a really good player. I mean, a really good player. Um, he's like our he's he's not like he is our number sixty fourth ranked college prospect right now. Um, I I could see him moving up the draft just because of the pedigree and because he's he's been hurt. Like he's he's struggled with injuries the first two years, but he's a really good player. The other one I got for you, Stephen, is Rodney Green Jr. He's our 43rd ranked prospect. He's from Cal. He is a kid that played a lot of basketball through high school and then picked basket or picked baseball late. And he's like six foot three, 190, left left, center fielder, crazy power, uh, great base runner. Like he, he's a kid that could easily go 20 steals, 20 home runs this year. Um, R.J. Green, Rodney Green Jr. Love that kid. So when you say picked baseball was it like he was playing both and then decided or was he okay, okay. yeah so I so I, as i as, as i as i understand the story which you know like I, I, it's third hand but like he could have played college basketball like he was like a low division one division two caliber basketball player which still means like you're you know awesome at basketball yeah and and but then people kind of got in his ear like hey man like you're six three, one ninety, athletic left-handed like you're kind of what they look, you're not what they look like in the NBA. No offense. You are what they look like in MLB. So what do you think? And so he was like a very late ad for Cal and, and then um, like almost got clipped, uh, almost got picked off in the draft. 
but he does he does swing and miss right now so that's like you know which was understandable because he played you know primarily basketball growing up but man i think he's gonna have a huge year cal is a sleeper team for me i think they're really good yeah and i feel like the skills from basketball translate to baseball more than other sports and more than people realize just because if you handed a college baseball team a basketball and said, hey, dribble this through your legs and don't fumble it around, that'll never, like, the success rate will be less than 70%. I can guarantee that. But that hand-eye coordination pays huge dividends, I feel like. So I'm excited. I did not have him on my radar, and that's exactly why I wanted to include this segment so I could figure out who to put on my radar, and he is on it now. Steven, how was your hoops game? Did you play? I mean, what are you, 6'5"? You must have been a hooper of some regard, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what they'd like you to believe. I played Catholic Youth League up until 8th grade. Um, I got in a couple of scuffles, which the league oh. wasn't a huge fan of. That'll CYO, happen, did you know? they call it CYO in Maryland? Uh-huh, was, yeah, yeah, CYO. CYO and, go St. Philly too. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, it was no one in the league was good, but I was the worst um, by far. I never lost a jump ball. I might have lost one, I think, and it was to a kid way taller than me. So, yeah. And of course, I'm a tall guy. So anytime I saw someone taller than me, I was like, man, this guy's a freak anyway. So you know, whatever. It's like <laughs> you were a okay. jump ball specialist. Every team needs one. I love yeah, it. Yeah, and I was great. I would just slap the ball right to our point guard, and then I'd watch them all run around and have fun, and just be a problem in the paint. <laughs> Bill Lambeer. So you were Bill Lambeer. You were you were throwing elbows and mixing it up, Stephen. I, I I I. This is a positive spin for me. Yeah, I was a little aggressive. I think one thing that really derailed my aggression in the paint was someone elbowed me in the chin, and I like Ooh. almost bit through my tongue. Oh, that's um, miserable. And then I learned all about how you can't put band aids on tongues and how it's like unrepairable oh. if something bad goes happen or bad were to happen. So I was like. <laughs> I the St. Mary's Stallions Catholic Youth League Championship is not worth it. No, you know it's yep. going to Omaha. I made a decision that I was willing to blow out my arm. That's worth it. Yep. Um, playing in St. Pius's gym that smelled like hash browns from McDonald's, which that's a great compliment. I don't mean that as an insult. It was awesome. Yep. Hash um, browns, amazing. I was distracted all game though. <laughs> yeah, that's. Well said, Stephen. We're going to come back. I had several. I'm, I, I have a, a, on the Notes app. I'm a big believer in the Notes app on the iPhone, Love and it. I have I have a Notes app dedicated to Stephen Shock. All the questions <laughs> I want to ask you over the course of the question I'm going to ask you tonight is not this one, but I, I one of the first notations I have in this in this uh, Note app is that it says McGriddlegate colon Ooh. what about road games so we'll come back to that that's not my question for tonight but so we be can, warned we i mean that that one's a very simple answer if you need it yeah so so my question is you you're you were committed to a uh, sausage egg mcgriddle every game day and and i didn't hit me when you first told me but what about road games did you have to scout out mcdonald's ahead of time doordash Yep. Every time, literally every time showing my age now, I would always make sure I had, I, you know, I love DoorDash. I I was a DoorDash driver in college. Super fun. One of my favorite jobs I've had, honestly, just vibing in the car, handing people food. Um, but yeah, so that was my solution there. I wanted to answer that because I didn't want you to like build up and be like, 
on the edge of your seat like how did yeah. he pull this off i forgot so, it yeah i forgot mcdoordash has changed the world yeah like that that wasn't available to me in 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 the 1800s it, it's changed the college baseball landscape that's for sure yeah, sure has hey can i ask you my real question <laughs> yeah absolutely okay so my question is pitchers are known you know like when you're not pitching many times you end up on charts and so i want to know how steven shocks in his six years of college baseball how was your chart game chart game i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna toot my own horn phenomenal i take really? a lot of pride i do not have good handwriting at all but i take a lot of pride in the fact that if i write in all caps and i really think about it i can be very neat and nothing was more satisfying to me than like just a nice clean neat sheet of paper so a lot of that and you know there's a little bit of fear of coaches involved in that yeah but by the end of it man it was crisp i i probably i think i hung up the charting once i got to uva we just had enough guys redshirting that i was also yeah. 24 it's like meh. you know there's an 18 year old who needs to learn these valuable life skills and i don't want to yeah. take away from them you know yeah so a lot of people gave me flack for being old playing against 18 year olds well i was given back just they yeah. didn't know it yet <laughs> Stephen, what was your best year as a charter? Was it when you were a dog or when you were a mountaineer? It was when I was a dog, for sure. Uh, we would chart bullpens, Ooh. and the way we would do it is we would have a strike zone in the middle of it, and you would have to chart where the pitches went. But I think I really thrived in the sense that I would never lie about where a pitch was, regardless of how close Ooh. I was with who was throwing. But – some pitches, if they were a strike when they passed through the zone and ended up being really bad, I would I would mark where they passed through the zone. I yeah, would, I would make sure to do that. But fair but firm, Stephen. Like a good charter's got to be fair but firm. Oh, absolutely. I think the most writing I did baseball wise though was playing in the Cape for a summer, because Jerry Weinstein had oh a worksheet for every pitcher <laughs> to fill out after. You should have gotten college credit for charting for J Dub. I, he, he was incredible, the most introspective man you will ever meet. But it, it rubbed off on me, and I loved it. I still have the charts to this day. I still have yeah. my notebook. I'll, I'll send you pictures of it when we're done recording. Well, tomorrow, because it's in my car, yeah. and it's very cold out, so I'm not going to do that. But it, it was one of those things that I learned a lot from that, and I think that translated back into my UMBC charting. Because, you know, you go to the Cape, it's like, okay, this is this – is, the all stars of tomorrow yeah these are the all charts of tomorrow as well so we got to get those numbers right and i had to make sure everything was good but i i really liked his system of it and i think journaling is really important for baseball mm. players because you know in the moment of a game i cannot like when i pitched i would black out like i have no idea how many strikes i threw i have no idea if we won or lost or if i even did good unless i threw it if I was walking to go pick up my glove, I had a general inkling of the idea that I, I probably did pretty well because I wouldn't throw my glove if I did horrible. Um, so I, I think charting really helped for me just going back and watching my outing. Like I would never watch back and be like, oh, I should have thrown this pitch here because, you know, in the moment I thought the pitch was the right pitch. So you yeah. go and throw it, let it rip. That's the when you're pitching the right pitch is always the one you tell yourself is right so you can play mental games that way Amen. but going back and charting and just being like okay my, this is where my emotions were at this is what i thought of in the bullpen before i went out there 
whatever happened out there happened out there. I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> but I, I just think it's so valuable. Yeah. I think charting when you're journaling, I'm, I believe in journaling so much. I don't do it, which makes me so mad at myself. But <laughs> I think when things are going well in life is when you should absolutely journal. I actually heard this about golf, Stephen, that um, they say amateur golfers hit balls before the round. Pro golfers hit balls after the round because whatever they felt on the course, oh, they want to either smart. lock it in or they want to change it before the next day. So anyway, I don't want to take us on a tangent here, but you're right, man. Journaling is because you play this game long enough. I think of it from the position player side. But one of the beauties of baseball is that you will have days where you feel like legitimately I will never have the feeling of a base hit ever again in my life like i'm convinced <laughs> that getting a base hit is actually impossible and it will never happen to this this human named me again and obviously that is not productive well yeah you know the way to get out of that is just to take off the blue jersey and you're gold <laughs> <laughs> yes or, or that was it was all coach murphy's fault he wouldn't <laughs> let us wear the white jerseys every game i mean what yeah, kind of coach let- is that Let's go white jerseys and skins, coach. <laughs> Trust me, I'll hit I way better. I don't care. I don't care if we're on the road and they're wearing white. Let's just be bold. <laughs> yeah, it's look, this is our place now. That's, that's, that's right. the mindset. That's, yes. But no, you're you're dead on. I think it's also when you're done your career going back and looking at the stupid stuff you wrote down is so much fun because it'll just remind you of these outings. I have one from a particularly a blown save opportunity I have where I got walked off on and man, it's a funny entry. I'll, that's the one I'll send to you so you can yes. read it. But essentially it was, uh, it was a lot of, man, I don't care. I'm the best there ever was, which Ooh. as a human being, don't have that attitude. If you make mistakes in life, correct them, uh, find yeah. out ways to be better. If you're a baseball player, you have to be an insane person. So that's where I was coming from. Oh, Steve, I can't wait to see your journal entries. We should bundle up into a book. We might be on to something here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know what the rating will end up being because some of them, some of them I I journaled too quick. I was like, I was still a little hot from the game, I think. But it's just something that really like, I think there's good wisdom in there too for things more than just like hey make sure your finger placement's great when you throw sliders it's also yeah. like hey make sure don't get too big don't get don't get in your head too much which is important yeah, right. in life. yeah yeah i love it very cool can't wait to see that yeah so i'll i'll make sure to send that your way but i i think we are we are out of room on the google doc i, I think this is time for for you to take us away yeah all right so uh, i want to remind everyone that college baseball is rad Uh, Your homework, listeners, is to have a wonderful weekend. And that is it. We will catch you next time on the Shock Factor Podcast. The Shock Factor Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.